The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Pharrell has taken over. Let's go. It's Pharrell. Coast to coast. Steaks, chicks, stacks. You and I are going to make a lot of money. It's Pharrell. Coast to coast. It's Pharrell on the bench, coast to coast, in the biggest way possible, hanging out a bad seat, a broken eight, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad bread, bad titch, bad vibes. We are live in Studio 34 in New York City. Ooh, the big apple people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do better. Oh, my friend, they come around, flat to flat to party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's in tattered. My brains are splattered all over Manhattan. Should you be shaking? I'm Pharrell on a pain-free Friday with you in your face. You can't slow us down. We got a lot to talk about. The Hanta, the COVID, the 19. We got doctors on this show, the whole deal. Mafia is in here with me. Down in the uh, control, the pit of doom is Carver High and the Ferrella crew doing a kick-ass job as usual, braving the virus that's wafing through the air. I have to tell you uh, that I uh, walked from uh, Times Square. Basically, uh, I used to park there every day of my life when I did the show on uh, the Howard Stern channels, and I used to live in Hell's Kitchen, so I park over there, right? And I usually take the subway uh, two stops, down here to the garden, and and then I come in here to the Renaissance and do the show at Versa in, uh, you know, Studio 34. And uh, today we had a little detour from that plan because I'm not getting on that subway come hell or high water. I would have walked through five feet of snow with flip-flops on. I would have uh, been better off naked walking from Times Square than to get on that fast that that infested disgusting repulsive subway i don't care what anybody thinks i won't get on that thing even when it's uh, like i barely you got to drag me in there to do it when it's normal when there's not a uh pandemic i mean when i'm on the subway i literally surf i won't even touch anything i put both legs out and i skateboard and surf like i'm in the ocean in huntington beach and surf city i I just glide the whole time I'm on the subway. I never grab anything. I'll run over someone before I touch anything on that subway. And if anyone comes near me, I'll jack them in the face. Because there's freaks on there. They'll shank you. So we have a lot going on today. We're going to get it all on. Later, uh, Dr. Mitchell Roslin will join us about the uh, coronavirus plus Craig Mish. Via Skype from Florida, we'll talk baseball with him. Let's start with an update, though, and hand it over to your boy, Mafia, Brian Ciano. Sports Grid News Update. Thank you, Scotty. I'm Mafia, and this is your Sports Grid Update. Despite just about all leagues being shut down throughout the world to try to contain the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's still some action in the sports world. The NFL continues to operate, despite many teams encouraging their staff to work from home, But today, the league finally followed the lead of some of its franchises and shut down all pre-draft travel by scouts and coaches and pre-draft visits to team facilities league-wide. 
Business doesn't continue to be does continue to be done throughout the league as the Vikings have released former Pro Bowl cornerback Xavier Rhodes. The Titans are releasing tight end Delaney Walker and kicker Ryan Suckup. Also, some teams have issued their franchise tags with the Chargers using it on tight end Hunter Henry and the Ravens tagging pass rusher Matthew Jodun. Despite trying to stand pat with other sports shutting down, there were a few that tried to hold on but have finally caved and canceled today. The English Premier League has suspended their season until April 3rd after both Chelsea and Arsenal had people test positive for COVID-19. NASCAR postponed the races that were to take place the next two weekends at Atlanta Motor Speedway and Homestead Miami Speedway due to the outbreak. PGA canceled the remainder of the Players' Championship that was ongoing as well as three other tournaments on the schedule. Then after that, Augusta National announced that they would postpone the Masters, which was scheduled to happen April 9th through the 12th. They hope to hold the tournament at a later date. Bellator MMA decided to postpone Bellator 241, which was supposed to take place in Connecticut later tonight, and Top Rank canceled the Shakur Stevenson fight Saturday and Mick Conlon fight on Tuesday, which were both moved to the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden and were supposed to continue without fans. Currently, the only sport that seems set on holding events is the UFC, who despite having moved some of their other cars in the coming weeks to their own facilities in Las Vegas, will hold UFC Fight Night in Brasilia tomorrow afternoon. Despite missing weight today, Kevin Lee is currently a minus 146 favorite against Charles Oliveira. I'm Brian Ciano, and that's your Sports Grid update. Want the edge? Get on the grid. So I said uh, repeatedly yesterday doing the shows, both uh, coast-to-coast and in-game live with no games, uh, but we're on from 7 to 9. I was kind of selling that today, whether they like it or not. I'm on the air doing shows, no questions asked. Let's dance. Let's get it on. Let's go. But um, there's no games. And, you know, how many people are going to bet on the uh, UFC tomorrow? Probably a lot of people that love the UFC will bet on it. And I just think, uh, I don't know any other way to express this. I think they're idiots for having this event. I mean, you got to be half stupid. And, and I got to tell you, I question seriously the, the leadership. No, no uh, hinting around here. I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, every single basically sporting event in the world has been canceled. And then even Scott Coker came around. I was calling him out yesterday, too, for being a numbskull for having this event at the Mohegan Sun. Let me tell you something. You know who wants to go to the Mohegan Sun right now? Besides, like, cockroaches or mosquitoes? No one. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, who in their right mind wants to go to a uh, casino right now or a mall or an airport or on a subway or on a train or on an airplane or to a you know, uh, MMA event that doesn't matter to begin with. (laughs) Do people actually care about that? Like I used to like uh, Bellator and everything else and and I respect them. I like Scott. I like uh, what they're doing. That's great. But I could give a rat's ass what they're doing, including the rest of the world. No one wants to hear it. No one likes hearing the truth, do they? But it is true. Mafia, please don't even try to sell me that anyone cares when people are dying all over the world of a a pandemic that you care about some Bellator event. Uh, Christ, I couldn't even believe they were trying to sell it to me. I wanted to puke. No, I agree with you. I mean, I'm a huge fan of MMA. I'm a huge fan of fighting in general. But, you know, there's there's one thing to say, Okay, you want to keep this going because of things like, you know, these guys, all the training that they paid for before this, the weeks of preparation they put in, they don't really get paid unless they fight. But still, at some point, your health has to be more important. You know, we've seen that with other sports. You know, maybe they step up. These leagues should step up. They have the money to say, okay, you know what? We'll give you a little bit something to hold you over. Maybe not the full fight purse, but enough to keep you safe and, you know, sustainable, even though we can't fight. Because it's just not safe right now. All the contact. You talk about basketball and pick up on weekends. All the contact, the sweat and stuff that rubs off on you. It's the million times worse than MMA, where you guys are shirtless and sweating on each other. The blood, there's just so much food exchange. It's not worth it. I'm playing tomorrow. Why would I stop playing basketball? Like, I know I only care about playing basketball. I really don't care about other humans. I only care about filling it up. Did I not get into it with a brother on the street today? What did he yell to me? Don't be afraid of black people. I said, I'm not afraid of black people. I'm afraid of white people. But black people, when I play ball, all I do is light you up for 30. So I, I'm not afraid of anybody except white people sneezing on me. How's that sound? And he didn't know what to think of that, did he? He did not. He did not know what to think of that. I'm like, I love the black people. They're easy to school when I'm filling it up on them and dropping 30 on their ass. I'm worried about white people sneezing on me right about now, but I'll play ball with you tomorrow. Let's go. 
So let me ask you this question, seriously. Like, what do I care? Did you just say something to me about their purse? I don't care about anyone's purse right now, let alone some old lady's purse. Uh, You know, I'm worried about my mother-in-law. She shouldn't be out and about shopping or she was driving around looking for a parking place at the shopping store today. I'm like, what are you doing? Go home, drink Jameson. Smoke a fatty, take a nap, watch TV, do something. Like, I care about Bellator's fighter's purse. And let me ask you this question. You can't be serious that you're going to support this moron's decision to have this UFC event uh, in Brazil tomorrow. Like, I mean, you know, uh, here's the deal. Do you remember when they had the Rio games, like they had the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro? People were getting, you know, mugged, robbed, beaten, shanked, raped, everything else. I'd rather go through that than be walking around there right about now at some UFC event. I don't care what they think of me. I mean, have some sense. Honestly, some, you know, think about what you're doing here. I cannot believe they're putting, we're only having the fighters and the and the refs and the essential personnel, the play-by-play guy. Who's to say the play-by-play guy's not rocking the corona? I mean, honest to God, how can you have this event? It's amazing to me. You know what? It's almost like they're asking for it. You're asking for it to happen. You're just begging for it to happen that you're going to get it. I will bet my life someone in that organization gets corona, whether it's at the Brazil event, whether it's moving all their events to Las Vegas. Are you kidding me? Like, how stupid do you have to be to believe that, what, Las Vegas is immune to this? I mean, are you kidding me? Vegas is a cesspool for germs. I have lived there twice and I have worked in casinos in my career twice, lived there and did the show nationally every day. I've done residencies there, Mavia. Have I not done millions of shows there? And what place is dirtier than that on earth? Tell me what it is. There isn't one. And not only that, you're talking about, you know, Brazil, obviously, even not just the, about the country or anything, just the fact that these guys are out and around each other. You're going to tell me, okay, you have all this medical testing. We're very thorough with it. You're telling me you test the refs as much as you test the fighters? Like you said, the refs could have it. Like they did the CAA tournament. The broadcasters might have something. One of the support staff could have it. And even if that's not, even if you get out of it this weekend, you get out of the woods there, they're going to London next weekend. They say they're still doing it in London where the EPL just canceled their season because half of their teams are getting it. So how are you going to tell me that going from country to country and flying around is so safe? There is nowhere safe in the world at all from this pandemic. There's nowhere safe. I mean, there's nothing, no sporting event. They canceled, uh, you know, the the, uh, NASCAR event in Atlanta. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that they were going to, these idiots were going to have a race, uh, uh, you know, a NASCAR race in Atlanta with no fans. And, like, how many people are in the pits? Like, thousands? How many people are involved in the racing, on the racing teams, the pit crews and everything else, and the people on the track that run it and the hospital people, the, you know, EMTs, the announcer. There's, I mean, what is there, 10,000 of them at every single race? I mean, the whole thing's a joke. They should shut down everything in sports. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.
All right, Pharrell with you on uh, Coast to Coast. And um, it's an honor uh, to have on Dr. Mitchell Roslin, of course, from uh, Lenox Hill Hospital to help kind of like the layman's term, break this down for us. Uh, Doctor, thanks so much for taking the time to come on Coast to Coast with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Scott. Okay, so, uh, you know, I just watched the uh, president have his uh, Rose Garden press conference with 50 people standing behind him supporting everything he says. And uh, the Dr. Fauci, who I actually think is the voice of reason in all of this, uh, from the infectious disease, he's the head of that. Uh, He has been really everywhere talking about the realities of this uh, pandemic can you give us your interpretations of uh, what's happening around the globe and, and here in this country with the spread of this pandemic? Because I have I've discussed it on the air a lot and that it's really just in its infancy here, even though people, I think, feel that it's already, you know, at the 80 percent mark. It's actually just beginning. It hasn't even started its climb. Is that about correct? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the truth of the matter is we are just in something that's completely unprecedented. Um, You know, I actually went to medical school in the time when AIDS became um, known, you know, it was an unknown disease till then. Sure. um, And very, very different type of virus. And that's actually where Tony Fauci first became nationally known as an AIDS researcher. So his experience with viruses goes back a very, very, very long time. I think that I think that um, um, that right now it's very, very, very different. You know, the, the last time there was a major viral pandemic was 1918, which was before the time of global travel. Uh, there's a man named Beardsley who's in charge of the CDC pandemic unit, and he always said that there would be a time where there would be a virus. And with global travel, there would be wider spread. Now, one thing to take is a step back and think about in concept is that a virus really does not want to kill its host. If for a virus to be successful, the host has to survive, replicate the virus, and spread that. So I think that the natural history of most viruses are that they learn to live with us, not overwhelm us. There will be a certain casualty rate. I hate to, to say that, but the truth of the matter is we really don't know where we're at. What we need to do is buy time to allow the science to catch up, prevent spread, because if you delay that, several things that will happen. One is that we won't overwhelm our hospital system, and that's another very important point is that Hospitals and the medical system have become efficient, just like the reason we're streaming this, just like every other business becomes efficient. And even though we're a nonprofit and actually Northwell, which I have to really salute our leadership, we've invested a ton of money to develop testing for New York uh, City out of our New York State out of our bottom line and really have been at the forefront. We're a nonprofit. The spread of margin is one percent. So it is very, very complicated. We have to run very, very efficiently to meet our public need, even as a nonprofit. So we're not targeted to have a big influx of people at any one time. Doctor, uh, you know, uh, the president was talking about relaxing a lot of the rules that have been in place that he said were, uh, you know, ancient rules that needed to be uh, rectified and adapted to our times. And they're going to relax a lot of these rules in these hospitals to allow, you know, based on insurance and other things uh, that things that will be waived, if you will, so that people that have the virus or that have the symptoms or that have the sickness and they get it and that they want to test those people and specifically them and not people like everyone thinks I think every day to day people think that they need to be tested. That's not the case. Is that correct? It's the people that are sick that they want to test and they're setting up these drive through testing locations, even in New York, where hundreds a day will be able to go and get swabbed in their car and then drive out uh, per se. What are these relaxed rules that they're talking about in hospitals so that the sick can stay longer than uh, normal if they had like, if you will, the flu, et cetera, doctor? Well, first of all, I think what they're trying to talk about is 
you know, healthcare has become so bureaucratic. Each of our days is spent doing a whole bunch of different things. And I think that what it's really doing is similarly to uh, if you're in a battle, you really want your trained commanders to make decisions and not have those decisions made by regulatory people that really can't assess the situations. So it's going to give the hospitals flexibility to move rooms, possibly change certain codes that are in place that are very, you know, there for reasons, but probably would obstruct the ability to handle uh, a situation that would apply common sense. I think it would be best if we can actually test more and more people. And I think that's actually been one of our failings because all of the questions that you're really asking is, how much is this going to spread? How deadly is going to be? How long is this going to last? And the answer is, the informed answer is, it's since it's without precedent, we really don't know. And the more people that are tested and the more people we understand who are asymptomatic and just say carriers or can inoculate other people and understanding the percentage that will break through and have pneumonia and require further treatment or hospitalization, the more information we have, the better the models are going to be to assess that. Um, I, what I, I think is really, really important, though, is that this is real. The virus is here. Okay. And you look at China, it took about 10 weeks for China to come under control. And that's in a very authoritative society that really can limit the movement of people that's capable of building a hospital in eight days. Could you imagine what neighborhood would we put the hospital in eight days? Mm -hmm. We'd have, you know, it, it would be very, very difficult to do that. So it really behooves us to really be intelligent and let medical science catch up so these questions could be better answered. Doctor, you know, uh, Dr. Roslin, is it true? I think, you know, people have heard over and over that the that this virus is 10 times worse than the flu. Is that true? And I keep hearing it from Fauci and everyone else. Is that true that they believe like it's not the worst thing they've ever seen? It's just that the way it's spreading and that it you as you said it's real it's here and that uh they can't they haven't been able to control it all over the globe and all over the world and that it is 10 times worse than the normal flu and they've talked about the spanish flu and all these different viruses over the last century um how bad is it when it, let's say if you get it i think if you get it the majority of people are going to have cold like symptoms a cough, it seems that fever is a little bit higher with this. But the majority of people that get it, that are young and healthy, are probably not going to sick, be sick or succumb. You know, you're not, you know, let's go back to making it a per pertinent to sports. Gobert was slated to play the night he was diagnosed with the virus. So obviously he wasn't incapacitated. However, there is going to be a percentage, and that's the percentage that really is very difficult to figure out. There is going to be a percentage of people that develop pneumonia, pneumonitis, and an, an immune reaction to their own body's defenses that get very, very sick. So you have to look at this. In the United States, I think the latest numbers are about 1,700 people testing positive, 41 deaths, None in the state of New York, the majority of the deaths from the single nursing home in Washington. So I think that tells us that the majority of people that get the virus are going to recover from the virus. I also think that the natural history of a virus is to become less deadly and coexist. That's why the flu has been so successful. It doesn't really kill us, but it keeps on replicating in a different form on a yearly basis you know, an HN type virus. And it's possible that that's going to be the outcome here, that we're going to have corona outbreaks on a regular version. However, the truth is, until there's better testing, we don't know. Doctor, uh, tell me, tell me about, uh, and I have respectfully under two minutes, uh, tell me how this affects like as athletes, persons, 
uh, to persons uh, like sweat and things of this nature. They're like having this UFC event in Brazil. Does it really transfer that way if you're like playing basketball and you're banging into somebody and you're sweating or the refs or the players? It seems like an or- more, more than sweat. It seems like an oral virus that it's coming from droplets, somebody coughing, contact. But, you know, the coronavirus with its spikes, it seems to be reasonably haughty outside of its host. So it means it doesn't die instantly. Soap will kill it instantly because it has a very small lipid layer. So the virus can survive in locker rooms and be transmitted, you know, especially by hand oral contamination. It's not the same as, for example, the rotovirus that was on the cruise ships that comes more from the fecal root or HIV that comes from a bloodborne infection. The bottom line is, is, you know, it's only obvious that there's absolutely no way that we can that we can that we can that we can um, that we can um, go ahead and have people practice if we're not going to allow them to play games. So what we're seeing in sports is the whole domino effect that started when Harvard canceled its uh, basketball game after there was this Biogen conference right. that really had questions. Doctor, let me ask you a question. Do you have Do you have a, a, any additional time for us? Because I have more questions I'd like to ask you. Can you do another segment? All right, Absolutely. H- hang in there. I want to ask uh, Dr. Roslin more questions about this. This stuff is crazy. Uh, it's coast to coast. And uh, we're talking to Dr. Mitchell Roslin of Lenox Hill Hospital and Northwell Health. And we'll find out more about the coronavirus on uh, this episode. Stay with us. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on Coast to Coast, uh, we have the luxury of uh, having Dr. Mitchell Roslin on from Lenox Hill Hospital in New York and Northwell Health, and he's uh, trying to explain all this um, coronavirus and COVID-19 to us. Doctor, uh, let me ask you a question about, um, you know, societal question. Why are, uh, let's face facts, people are freaking out, okay? Like, uh, grocery stores, people are just absolutely losing their minds. You can't even get a parking spot. People are buying everything. The shelves are empty. There's people screaming and yelling. Uh, you can't go anywhere. Costco, BJ's, you go to the you know shop, right? You go to the stop and shop, you go wherever. And it has become very bizarre uh, how people are reacting to this. Are you surprised at any of that? And and why do you believe that it's it's come to this? And do you believe we're uh, on the verge of seriously? Because it seems that we're headed toward that, like martial law, like China, and then curfews and everything else. Is that right around the corner doing push-ups? I, I think that we we are heading towards, you know, potentially a work ban or a limitation of going into New York City to move people around. Because I don't think any of that, that, that behavior is helpful. I also think, and 
I don't want to sound political because it's not a political statement, but I think that the president really hasn't, and I don't think he understands, he, he really wants to hear the questions that you're asking. How many people are going to be infected? How many people of that who are going to be infected are going to get seriously sick? And I think we're beginning to understand that that's going to be a minority. For example, you know, in, in, New, you know, in New York, in our entire system, there are very few people who are very sick at the present time. And we're the largest employer and the largest healthcare provider in New York State. That doesn't mean we haven't been seeing an increasing number of people that have tested positive. It is real. It is concerning. We need to be vigilant so we slow down the spread. But by the same token, the hoarding behavior is not productive. And but when you even tell that to your own wife, she doesn't want to be the last person without Perel. Uh, so it becomes, it becomes problematic when, you know, and you get a group hoard mentality rather than, you know, looking out for the common good. Um, I do think it's reasonable. Today I did my office hours the same way we're doing this remotely. And the patients were very, very appreciative, um, you know, to doing that. So I think there are prudent steps to be taken. And, and like Dr. Fossey and other health experts are saying, some social distance, staying away from large spaces. Let's really see how this falls out because we really don't know. It is unprecedented in my lifetime that every major league sport has come to a halt, that there's no Broadway theater. I can't even imagine the economic implications of that. So when people see that mass hysteria takes off, I don't think, you know, I'm very encouraged that the first person in New York State that was very sick was about 10 to 12 days ago. And if that was climbing exponentially, by this time, we should be seeing two, four, eight that are very, very sick. We're seeing a lot of people test positive. We're not seeing that many people very sick. That doesn't mean we should have a false sense of security, because if you have so many people infected, even a small number could be catastrophic. Um, but I think we have to keep this in proportion. Doctor, when people are, um, you know, I, I walked through Times Square, right? And uh, I, I actually, I used to take the subway a couple stops from where I park in Hell's Kitchen down here to the garden to do the show. And uh, today I walked, it's like 64 degrees outside, beautiful sun. Uh, and I noticed like, you know, obviously there was, it was, I mean, empty. Times Square was relatively empty, all things being equal, what it would normally be on an everyday, you know, set up. You'd see thousands of people. You couldn't even move when you're walking. It's chaos. But today there was no one there. And then when I, when I walked, I noticed that like I was saying to my producer that I'd say about one or two of every hundred people I saw had a mask on. Are those, uh, are, you know, people, uh, that are wearing these masks. I've heard that those masks, uh, won't keep you from getting this. And then other people are just walking around with nothing on who's right. Who's wrong. Well, I, 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 I don't think the mask that people are walking around, like when we go into a patient contact, we're using a special mask called an N95 mask that's fit for us. That was really designed for tuberculosis, which is a very, a, a, you know, an airborne type of bacteria. Uh, I, I think that the people who are wearing a mask, it, you know, I think that in patient doctor interactions where more people are going to wear masks, but unless both people are wearing a mask, it's truly not going to be that effective. Uh, assuming that that person comes in contact with somebody who's infected, they're introducing the virus to themselves after somebody else sneezed and coughed. If they had the virus, the mask would be keeping some of the fragments in the mask itself, which then would come to accumulate and actually become, you know, if you're wearing the same mask all day, don't forget we change our masks, you know, after every patient, would become like a bacteria viral sandwich after you cough and you, breath, you were breathing in it all day. So I think when you're out in the street, the idea of a mask helping you is probably very slight. More important to wash your hands, clean surfaces that you're having. Try to avoid, if you haven't washed your hands, you know, bringing things to the oral, oral route. Unfortunately, right. this virus is really here. It's a question of what its implications going to be. But slowing the spread 
is really, really important so we can understand better what's going on. Dr. Roslin, uh, so they closed schools everywhere, colleges everywhere, the Ivy League, they're sending kids out of Harvard and telling them to get out of the dorms at Northeastern. They're letting them stay in the dorms, but they're done doing classes. They're doing online. My uh, son's high school, online now. Middle school, daughter, online now. Grade schools, elementary school, all happening. Um, You know, uh, the city is... uh, you know, it would appear to me inching closer and closer to shutting down in cities. Uh, you know, uh, someone asked me, they're like, oh, this is just going to be for a few weeks. And then, you know, Fauci's like talking about, you know, and even the NBA, some people think they've been kind of a voice of reason that in 30 days they'll reevaluate, which, should, you know, obviously is a month. Uh, do you anticipate this being around? Uh, and I know you can't guesstimate, but like I, I said to my producer, I'm like, I'd be surprised if my kids go back to school at all the rest of this school year and that this is going to be resolved in, in four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Uh, are we just basing it on what's happening in China? What what our futures hold that's here? Really, that's really it. I mean, the only thing that you have is that, you know, China seemed to reach a critical level in about the end of January. And then by March, you started seeing a normalization and obviously really became a world story, not to the level at the end of December. Uh, I guess the Chinese Basketball League shut down for about 10, 12 weeks and now is getting up to go. That really is the only model. Now, one of the things is, There are two possibilities. One, it's the action that was taken, quarantining the Wuhan province, building this huge hospital in eight days. The other thing is, it also may be the natural history of the virus. I mean, there are so many things, not that the flu is equivalent, but it's interesting. The flu comes in a relatively seasonal way. You can actually track the height of the flu season by the amount of Tamiflu prescriptions that are given by doctors. These are people that usually would test positive from the flu. That peaked about three and a half weeks ago. So that was the peak of the flu season three and a half weeks ago. So why did the flu season begin? Is it because many of us get flu vaccines? Well, I'm sure that limits it, but that probably doesn't explain why the peak of the season was three and a half weeks ago. There's something in the life cycle and the evolutionary process of viruses. You know, I'm a surgeon, not a virologist. That kind of explains that. So you have to think that the lines are going to be similar. You can hope that as the virus has spread, it's mutated down in a down direction, and hopefully it'll be less severe you know, here than it was in China. But the truth is we don't truly know. But I think that what we're in for is several weeks of chaos because as testing increases, the number of people positive increases. And then the next marker is, how many people are actually getting really, really sick. And that's the number that I hope is really, really low. And then once that equilibrates, I think we begin to, to ascend towards normalcy. But in my lifetime, and I guess we're probably you know, not that dissimilar in ages, I can't think of a time when so much has shut down at once right. and what the implications right. of that is long term. Doctor, I, I have less than one minute, respectfully. Uh, it, it's just crazy. I, I feel like at some point, like you're, you know, obviously you got to be pretty brilliant to be a surgeon. At some point, the scientific minds, is someone going to figure this out? Like the smartest people in the world going to figure this out? I, I have 50 seconds, doctor, yeah, respectfully. 50 seconds. A great question. The answer is yes. And there are already some antivirals and vaccines. The problem is it's not as easy to test as you would think it is. Because the natural history is that most people get better. So if you give it to everybody, it'd be like when your friend calls me for a Z-Pack and for a cold, the Z-Pack's not solving their cold. They just got better in two days. And they say, okay, the antibiotic did it. The antibiotic wasn't even active. If you give it to only people who are very sick, you know, then it may be too late. So it really means that you, it's not as easy to do these studies as it is to talk about them right. because you have to match the populations and determine what's just the natural history of the disease versus the treatment or the experimental antiviral therapy.
All right, doctor, you're a fascinating guy. I really loved listening to you. You explained a lot. It was very helpful. And I want you to send me like 100 Z-Packs so I can keep them in storage in my fridge for future illnesses. Thanks for coming on Coast to Coast, Doc. Uh, All the best to you and your family. Stay healthy, brother. See you soon. I like that guy, Mitch Roslin, my man over there at Lenox Hill. I got to get him to hook me up with some of them Z-Packs. Carver High said he wants 100 Z-Packs, too. And Mavia said he'll take 10. Shake head. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Pharrell Coast to Coast. Uh, I've looked forward to uh, having this guy on uh, from the jump since I've been on Sports Grid. And uh, I know he's uh, uh, one of my agents, boys. I always like Craig Mish, big baseball guy. And uh, we finally got him on the show. How you doing, Craig? How's everything? What's up, Scott? Good to talk to you again. My man. Down here in South Florida for many, many years. Great to have you on the team. It's awesome. Hey, it's great to have you on. And uh, I, I know a lot about you. And uh, I know that my agent speaks very highly of you and all your great work. And I know you've done a fantastic job on, on Sports Grid. I've seen a lot of your stuff. And it, and it really is kick-ass. And I'm glad that you're doing well with us. So um, let me ask you, first of all, you know, I covered uh, Major League Baseball for many years and uh, I covered the Pirates. I covered the Giants. I used to go to uh, spring training every year for the entire, uh, you know, session uh, in Florida uh, with the Pirates at McKechnie Field in Bradenton. And um, I've also done a ball play by play for the White Sox in uh, Sarasota and seen Ed Smith Stadium have about 10 baseball teams mow through that place over the years. What has it been like for you? Uh, to see all of this evolve uh, in terms of the virus and everything and its impact on baseball and the Grapefruit League. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some great parks there, by the way. Uh, They actually changed, believe it or not, after all of those years, they changed the name of McKechnie Field to Lecom Park. It's amazing to think. It's too bad. Um, (laughs) I know. McKechnie was amazing. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, things change so much, Scott. You know, the Mets Park changed names like three different times. yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very, as you know, from covering spring training, it's a great time to be around players. It's a great time to be around executives. People forget just how long players have been off and kind of that surly nature that a potential player would have. That's all gone in February and March. They're available to you to talk, to sign autographs, and um, and everyone is is undefeated. You know, everyone has that great feeling. And this is just a huge punch in the gut and a necessary one, of course, because you can't risk anything. And the start of the season at this point is going to be delayed. But I was at the park and I've, I've been at the park as much or anybody in the media for sure, covering, by the way, all the teams here in South Florida, the Nationals, the Astros, the Marlins, the Cardinals, the Mets. And, and it's got the surreal feeling of being at the park, uh, not yesterday, but two days ago was with everything going on and the world feeling like it was coming to an end and looking to your left and looking to your right and just thinking, wow, nobody really cares here at this park. And that's kind of what baseball does for you. It's like it gives you that escape and sports kind of gives you that escape for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours where you just kind of forget what's going on. And then the second you get back on your phone or the second you pop on the TV, you, of course, see everything that's going on in the world. So um, that's certainly what I'm going to miss. And um, and from my understanding is that there still could be another abbreviated spring training that they would have to do sometime in uh, in April to get the season started. Maybe it looks like in May. I know that April is what they're shooting for, Scott, but I, I don't see that happening. So, uh, you know, the other day, I think it was yesterday, I was doing the show live uh, from the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands 
in East Rutherford. And uh, my producer at the time was watching like the remaining like five games in spring training that were actually happening. Is that about right? And then they finally made the decision right. that baseball was suspending operations uh, and that uh, they were calling it a day. But there was actually games going on. You know, after the fact, they had announced that they were shutting it down, but they still let those like five games play out. Is that correct? Yeah, the Arizona games, they stopped. Initially, they said it was because of bad weather coming in. Uh, but you know that that was nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it was it was because that, that was the case. And then um, and then, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was interesting uh, in the afternoon yesterday. I was the one to report that uh, that Major League Baseball was not only going to shut down spring training, but the players were going to be allowed to go home. Um, no, I mean, some people kind of refuted that, but here we are. That is the report today. Um, it's exact. That the, yeah. That the players are, uh, not only being allowed to go home, but Scott, you certainly know this having a family and, uh, you know, I mean, how can you not want to go see your wife and your kids if they don't live, uh, in Florida or if they don't live in Arizona? And so, some of the players who are older and, of course, have parents, too, they want that ability to be able to go. It's not pleasant to just sit in that same little apartment for two months, which some of these players have to do. So uh, my guess is you're going to see a lot of the players stay, but you're also going to see over the next couple of months guys getting in their cars and uh, and traveling, because certainly I would not expect them to be going in planes to California or anywhere like that. So uh, Craig Mish with us, he's our uh, baseball uh, expert and guru on Sports Grid. He does everything baseball and kicks ass and takes names doing it. I have to say, you know, uh, when I was in the minor leagues, right, and uh, we've all been there, you and I uh, obviously have been around it, A-ball, double-A-ball, triple-A-ball, whatever ball, international league, I've been, I've been to all of it. Um, you know, the and I've said this before about hockey clubhouses and uh, NBA uh, locker rooms and road visitor locker rooms are, you know, they're tight quarters. Uh, minor league baseball, I mean, does it get any worse than that? And then their travel conditions, frankly, uh, Craig, of, of how you would be nervous. I would be nervous if I was like the wife of a, of a guy in the minors and they were going around on these buses and in these locker rooms at these uh, lousy little old ballparks they play in that are dumps to begin with. And then the locker rooms are like toilets. I mean, honest to God, I would be scared to death if I was a wife of a player or even the players themselves. Have you noticed any of that? Any nerves of the you know, the kids in the lower rungs that are trying to make it in baseball, which is their whole life, their whole dream, their whole goal. And now they've got to deal with this on top of the odds that are stacked against them to begin with. Yeah, I'm tr I'm kind of following it like you are. Uh, you know, I'm I'm waiting to see. OK, you know, it's coming in on the Marlins here. Uh, OK, so it's close to the public and the media through Sunday. OK, so the Marlins is the team that I cover, Scott, full time. So it's like I have my phone and I'm watching everything that's happening right now. So the Cubs, uh, the Red Sox, and I believe there's two other teams. I believe what they're doing is they're shutting the facility down just for a couple of days to completely disinfect everything that is there. But the point that you make is really well taken because the major league clubhouses at the spring training facilities, make no mistake about it. They're OK. You know, they're I mean, it's it's not a major league clubhouse, but it's also not a decrepit minor league clubhouse as well. But remember, all of the minor leaguers, Scott, they're at the major league camps right now. Right. They're all there because they're reporting for their minor league season and they're having that minor league spring training at the major league facilities. And those clubhouses are not in the major league clubhouses. They are off somewhere else on the facility, probably in the same building in most of those places. So you are right. And you're not just looking at 20 kids. You're looking at 100. So, um, you know, we're just going to have to see. It's like developing minute by minute and hour by hour. Uh, you know, personally, I've been waiting to see on uh, on what Miami was choosing to do. And it looks like, um, you know, they're being allowed to stay around in the area, uh, but they can't like you know, stay at the facility. They right. have to go back to their hotel or wherever they are. Did you, uh, were you there? Cause I was there in, um, in Oh four with the Marlins and I was, uh, I don't know if you were there, but I was there and I had the Pharrell Avidian section in left field and I was on QAM yes, was and it, yes. you remember? Yep, and then every yeah. day I would have yeah. all the drunks and homeless people out there in the, uh, left field stands full every night 
and I was buying them beers, and we were partying, and everybody thought, what is going on in left field? Because no one else was at the ballpark. They had 3,000 fans at the game. But meanwhile, there were 500 deep every night in that section. And then the strangest thing happened in the history of my life. The Marlins won the World Series in Game 6 at Yankee Stadium. So we rode that thing the entire season. There has never been a greater baseball season in my life. Even as a kid, I went to the 71 and 79 World Series with my father against the Orioles as a little boy and as a young boy. But nothing compared to when the Marlins beat the the evil empire in six in the Bronx. It was the greatest thing ever with that bunch of ragtag players they had. And Miggy was young. You remember that? Yeah, of course. Scott, they've won nothing since then. Isn't that right. amazing? They haven't, they, haven't, they haven't made the playoffs, haven't been over 500 since then, 2003. So, yeah, no, I remember it very well. I covered that season. I listened to you on QAM all the time I was there. I was at the other station. Uh, the 790, the ticket, came in a little bit right. later on. I also worked I also worked at QAM there, uh, too, and hosted shows. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, that season was a magical season. And you remember Jack McKeon. It was like he puts right. this button, it worked. He put that button, it worked. He was he great. Yeah, with his cigars. Yeah, it was, and him talking to the media and telling, uh, "Get out of the game." Right. It was, um, you know, it was a different time. Also, Scott, as like analytics weren't a huge part of it. It was just Moneyball right. in Oakland that was going on at that time. Uh, Marlins caught that wave in '03, like nobody's business, and that sometimes happens with teams. They get real hot from June on, right? And then they end up winning the World Series. I don't know what we're gonna have this year, but that uh, that year was especially. So uh, you remember, like uh, they draw nothing, like mosquitoes to their uh, you know Shangri La ballpark that no one goes to. But back then in that football stadium, at the time, I think they called it like uh, Sun Shark, whatever they called it. Uh, uh- yeah, land Sun shark. Sun life, land shark. But yeah. but do you remember there were seventy five thousand at every game and they showed up and I was I was hanging out with the CEO of Popeye's Chicken so he had like a right behind home plate this gigantic luxury box and every day for the World Series and the playoffs he would have these gigantic chicken parties and I just had the greatest time ever it was like what was it oh three what did I say oh four it was oh three yeah, it was 03, the greatest yeah. that was the greatest time ever now let me ask you. Um, uh, uh, I want to ask you some other questions, too, about about baseball for sure. Speaking of the Yankees, I want, I want to get into this. So we're going to come back and talk more with Craig Mish. But I want to bring up – these are the things I want to bring up. Uh, Stan and Judge, I want to talk about them. I want to talk about Barry Bonds with you because uh, of his recent shenanigans of saying uh, he's, he feels like, uh, you know, whatever. Good uh, stories with him. Right, right, right. Like, so I, I have had many battles with this guy in Pittsburgh and in San Francisco. I think he's one of the great – jerks in the history of sports uh, and to hear him groveling for people to feel sorry for him now is the most pathetic thing I've ever uh, seen in my life and I want to talk about the Astros and Red Sox because I want to place a bocce jinx on every one of those players and those teams for the entire 20 baseball season when it comes back I hope they all get syphilis let alone with their cheating and everything else I hope they have their worst seasons of their careers so I want to get into all that with Craig Mish We'll talk baseball and think maybe uh, baseball will come back. I pray to God it does. It's coast to coast with Craig Mesh. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.